Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast. I'm Andy Hibble, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. Today, we're happy to have Chris Lee back for our Ask the Expert series. Thanks, Chris, for joining us today. Yes, my pleasure. So I will get into the question. Actually, it's a series of questions from our listener. So what is the search committee looking for in a teaching statement? And how should it differ from a diversity statement? And finally, what sections should you have in the teaching statement? Chris, what are your thoughts on all these questions? Well, I think there's a, a thread, an overarching sort of thread here that is different than the question is asked. I don't think anyone really knows what should go into a diversity statement or a teaching statement because there are really no instructions provided most often. I think organizations that do it well will say, ensure you include A, B, and C, and that creates some structure. But most often it just says a leadership philosophy statement, a diversity statement, or a teaching statement. And then given that, what should you include would be kind of uh, endless, you know, the possibilities. But if we step back from the question, I really think what the organization is asking is two things. First, they're saying, tell us a little bit about what you think. But more importantly, tell us how what you think is related to who we are, because <laughs> really that's what they want. We're interviewing you for a job here, and we want to know if your teaching philosophy, your style, your way of thinking reflects the organization, its mission, its students, and its approach to pedagogy. So that's really what should be in the statement. Whatever that content is, it should speak to those factors. So I think we were recently talking about fit. Uh, in another episode, and it's the same idea. If you are at a private liberal arts college, deep, rigorous thinking, individual attention, and things like that is probably something that's very important. If you're at a community college, you're probably trying to raise the aspirations of students, reinforce certain things. And if you know, if you're at the graduate level, or you know, maybe different disciplines have different teaching elements. But at the end of the day, what they want to know is: Can you teach here? <laughs> can you teach? our students, et cetera, et cetera. So regardless of what you put in, make sure you're responding to that. And then it's kind of like, you know, my general advice for a resume and the format. People are always like, what should be in the resume and what should the format be? And my response is always, you present that which presents you in the best possible way, <laughs> right? You know, so you present your best self in context related to the institution that's asking you the question. So again, knowing thy audience becomes very, very important here. Calling all higher ed professionals. If you like what you're hearing on the Higher Ed Jobs podcast, subscribe to Higher Ed Jobs Insider Update, your weekly ticket to the latest opportunities, trends, and insider tips in the world of higher education, delivered directly to your inbox. Don't miss out on featured job postings, career advice, job search tips, and more. Subscribe now and stay one step ahead in the ever-evolving landscape of academia. Head to higheredjobs.com insider to sign up. Your future self will thank you. Once again, that's higheredjobs.com insider. Yeah, we can certainly talk about the fact that, you know, the question asked about diversity statement, you know, uh, as well as teaching statement. And I think if you're talking about the diversity statement part, it's the same thing. It's not diversity in general, not the theoretical idea of diversity, but our students. So if I were, you know, responding to a teaching statement at an institution that is, say, uh, minority majority, right, or 
with students who are from the Midwest farming community, and a lot of folks are first generation, I will be talking about things that speaks to those students. So for example, if there's not a tradition of your students having parents who've gone to college before, you could talk about that fact. You know, my teaching philosophy meets students where they are. For students who are not familiar with higher education and how to, you know, study and prepare and and be rigorous, then I approach it this way. You see what I'm saying? I'm speaking to the students and the mission of the institution. Now, I have all these philosophies and these ideas and ways of teaching, but are they pertinent, <laughs> right? So I, you know, if I'm talking about the Socratic method, oh, great. Okay. All right. Yeah, tell me more, right? But if the Socratic method is not appreciated where you are, how do you bridge the gap for the students there in that particular community, right? So I think that's that's what it's about. And the same thing with the diversity part. Okay, tell me about how you would approach our particular student body. That's really what, you know, uh, what it what it means. And, you know, if you can't do that, then you really can't relate to our students, which means you're not a good fit. And regardless of how talented you are, you're probably not the person that will be selected. Right. So speak to those students. If it's an all women's school, you know, then you're going to talk about it differently. And if it's a graduate student or even by discipline, you know, it might be different and you'll have to do your homework there. But make sure that when you respond to the diversity statement, you give the the expected, right? You appreciate people of different background experiences, et cetera, but then talk about their particular students and how you can relate. I love that. So it sounds like obviously you're stressing again, just doing your research, doing your background, knowing your audience, but then also being authentic and, and true to yourself. I mean, you don't want to just say something to say something. So making sure it's a good fit on, on both sides. So I like that advice regarding the teaching and, and diversity statement. I think that'll be useful to to people who are doing this. So thank you for that. Chris, in the years that you were on, on search committees, were there anything that kind of stuck out of like what people should not do, like things that is not quite what should go into one of these statements? I know you said there's not a, you know, one size fits all directions on how to do yeah. it, but are there some things that like, oh, I probably wouldn't do that? Yeah, yeah. So um, as you know, a lot of things are being politicized now, right? I would just stay away from things that can be misinterpreted because everybody has a different sort of... Uh, a value system. Uh, so I would just stick to the facts and the science and, you know, things of that sort. The other thing is I would stay away from things that aren't asked for. You know, when people apply for jobs, sometimes, it, you know, you don't ask for references, they give you references, right? Or they don't ask for a teaching statement and you offer a teaching statement, you know, or whatever the case may be when people add stuff that isn't asked for. So for example, if it's a teaching statement, <laughs> some people might want to talk about diversity, right? You know, but that's not the question they're asking, right? Now, if it's on point, meaning about teaching diverse students because they have diverse students and that's something specific, then yes. What I found is when people add things that aren't asked for, anything that you say or do can and will be used against you, right? Because the hiring process is a deselection process, more so than a selection process, because we have 50 applicants. So, we, you know, so we're trying to get down to one. So they're looking for reasons to disqualify people, not qualify people. So now you've offered an opinion on a piece that wasn't asked for that someone uses against you. Right. So for me, one of the big things is don't add or give information that isn't asked for in the process unless it is really on point and it could be a differentiator, but man, that's a big risk to take. 
That's great advice. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Chris, for the conversation today. Thanks, Chris. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a question or comments for us, tweet us at Higher Ed Careers or email us at podcast at Higher Ed Jobs. Thanks for listening. We look forward to talking soon. Calling all higher ed professionals. If you like what you're hearing on the Higher Ed Jobs podcast, subscribe to Higher Ed Jobs Insider Update, your weekly ticket to the latest opportunities, trends, and insider tips in the world of higher education, delivered directly to your inbox. Don't miss out on featured job postings, career advice, job search tips, and more. Subscribe now and stay one step ahead in the ever-evolving landscape of academia. Head to higheredjobs.com insider to sign up. Your future self will thank you. Once again, that's higheredjobs.com slash insider.